I thought you were dead. Sun out of your eyes and be yourself. I heard you were dead. She's dead, wrapped in plastic. That man's dead back then. It was worse than dead. He must be dead. Is this a dead man, Duck? There is a, a chunk that I'm just going to be ranting about the Dewey Decimal System. Great. Not even about the man Perfect. himself. Perfect. All right. Other than you that, got a, you got a professional. You're, you're a librarian, so it's like kind of like we have legitimate you know, people on the show. Yeah. It's mainly <laughs> This is mainly so I can air my grievances about the Dewey Decimal System. For once. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to become a professional actor so I can get ahead of this acting bullet right. that, that I will eventually take. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm trying. I'm trying to be a professional scumbag. So. <laughs> We're all on our way there, Trav. So, yeah. We're someone's history teacher. That's what <laughs> I know. That's a sad thing. Oh yeah. We probably yeah. talk more history to kids than uh, than, than their parents. Yeah, yeah. To y- their parents. Probably young. <laughs> what are you expecting from the parents? Maybe young adults. <laughs> History's really been taking a back line for a long time. And I won't stand for it here on Roast Mortem Cast. Welcome, everyone. It's the show that puts oral and historical. My name is Tom. I'm Travis. And I'm Connor. Okay, we got an update. I talked to Mike. Okay. Now, last week... This just in. Last week, he hasn't been on the past couple episodes, including the George C. Scott Part 2. I called him last Saturday. No, I didn't call him. I'm going to start over. I kept texting him because I was like, Mike, are you okay? Are you going to kill yourself? Can I have your skateboards? <laughs> yeah. That's what I kept saying to him. <laughs> oh, I want his gaming PC. Yeah, he's got yeah. cool shit. So I got to dot these T's and uh, yeah. cross these I's, as they say. So uh, I'm I'm texting him like, hey, I'm kind of concerned. Don't kill yourself. It's not that cool. And uh, he texts me back a picture of a skateboard. And he goes, <laughs> did you ever have this when you were younger? <laughs> And I was like, God damn it, my cousin has lost his mind. It turns out that he hasn't been receiving texts on his phone for the last two and a half weeks. Oh, my God. From like anyone Wait, with an Android. Wait, I thought you were going to say two and a half years, because I feel like that's when he's been in the group chat. <laughs> so I, I call about, and he was like, yeah, I was kind of upset you didn't text me about the George C. Scott 2. <laughs> And oh no, like I, I, I had texted, I don't know, it was just like a, this, this thing. So, uh, we, he, I was like, okay, you're alive. This has been a, a big misunderstanding. Oh, poor Mike. Come on over, Mike. Let's hang out. So, we hung out on Saturday. Uh, we went to Buffalo Wild Wings. What a nice. disappointing, uh, stage crew setup. <laughs> I feel like that is Mike and his element, though. Well, like if you're gonna, if you want to see Mike and his element, you no, got to no, no, bring no. him to a chain restaurant. No, no, Mike and his element is yeah. the drive-through of a T-bell. That's oh, that's element. true. Nighttime. Mike. That's, that's no, his, oh, nighttime. No, that's yeah. his. That, that's his mating grounds. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, Mike, uh, he's dealing with his recovery from his knee situation still, yes. so he's probably gonna be missing a few more shows. But he's alive and he's doing right. okay. Besides the knee right. thing, good so, to know. Uh, no worries. Remember, if you want to pay for Mike's knee surgery, submit it to our Patreon. Yeah. All the money yeah. is going to go to Mike's knee surgery. <laughs> Maybe. Mike's, we'll talk. Maybe. You're the new one, Maybe. so we'll see. <laughs> I want to get Mike sponsored by Jersey Mike, the sandwich place, and then we can replace his legs with sandwiches. Oh, 
That'd be Man. sick. New flavor every day. Yeah. Speaking of flavors, how was your week, Connor? Actually, flavors are a good segue to my week because the most exciting thing I did is my family and I went on a walking food tour of Little Italy on Saturday. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Um, my mom had found this as a Groupon and like got it for us for the holidays, and she, we didn't really know what to expect. Like my mom and sister had done one of these before, I think in Midtown, where it was like just the two of them and their friend, like three of their friends. And they went to like five different restaurants for like a t- kind of a tasting menu at each. And you could order extra from the place if you liked it. Mm-hmm. And there was a tour guide who like told you about the history of the restaurants and all that. And you're kind of like, all right, maybe it's going to be like that. Was he Italian? This no, guy? it was a very <laughs> like touristy Italian walking tour of this guy who was wearing a fedora. Oh, he dressed up like a gangster? <laughs> no, uh, just casual. It was his casual mm. day outfit. And it just it happens oh. to include a nice um, silver fedora. Uh, he constantly, the first thing he said is like, hey, we're in New York City. Make sure, like, Be mindful of the other people around here. And from that point on, constantly would just stop at the busiest intersections and just start talking about the building we were standing in front of. Like he'd stop at the corner of the sidewalk <laughs> while there's yeah. like hundreds of people trying to get by because it was a beautiful day Saturday. Oh, What's this out. fucking mook? Jeez. So we all like made the best of it. Um, my mom was like, yeah, I found a group on who gives a shit guys. And we had fun. <laughs> there was good food. Um, my favorite was either the gnocchi and red sauce or from the same place. We had like uh prosciutto wrapped, moz- fresh mozzarella wrapped in prosciutto. Did you have spaghetti? Oh. No spaghetti. Trick question. It's all spaghetti. If you have pasta, yeah. it's spaghetti. I thought that's macaroni. No, it's spaghetti. Uh, okay. No. No, on Long spaghetti. Island, it's spaghetti. The spaghetti. Okay. Yeah, so how much gravy we had did gnocchi, you drink? So. <laughs> well, yeah. I got the extra order of gnocchi because there was one order extra. And I was, he was like, who wants one? And I popped my hand up for that. Those are pine cones, right? Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. Well, all right, that's yeah, cool. Nice so and you, tasty. So you went on a historical food tour of New York City. Sure. Uh, that makes it real sound real nice. Well, I'm just going to yeah. say that because I had to transition to the West Coast over here. Travis, where was your food tour this week? Dude, my food tour, I hit up all the classics. Taco Bell, McDo- Taco Bell breakfast, McDonald's breakfast. <laughs> I like pulling back on McDonald's. <laughs> Taco Bell breakfast. Yeah, Taco Bell breakfast, McDonald's breakfast. Dude, I, I've been I've been cruising around eating fast food, but I've been going to gym too. All right. So I like I counter it out, you know? It's good. Nice. Yeah. I, nothing really to report here. I've just been a busy bee. I will be, well, this is going to be in the past, but I'm going to be in New York and I watch a movie with uh, Tom. Yeah. For our little movie thing we do on nice. Discord. George C. Scott movie night. Uh, we would have already done this, so I'm assuming it went really well. Nice. Yeah. It did. We, we yeah. probably pulled in around like 10K, 50K people watching yeah. the movie. George Scott's ghost came back for it. That was pretty remarkable when that happened. And they're all cool, and none of them are racist. Yeah. <laughs> so keep that in mind. If you're thinking about joining a Discord community, that's the most important thing you got to look for. Man, I want to go on a food tour of Italians. Tom, did you go on a food tour of Indians? Did you go to Hicksville and do an Indian walking tour? No, that's where my Buffalo Wild Wings was. It was at the Broadway <laughs> Mall. Uh, a great place to be disappointed. Yeah. But me and Mike, we have this, uh, we commiserate over terrible experiences. So we did have a great day together. Don't nice. get me oh, wrong. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't think I can report everything else, anything else this week legally. Um, 
Yeah, that's what happens when you hang out with Mike. Everything he's got to can't report anything legally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tax man's after him. Yeah, along with the tax he- woman. <laughs> All right, <laughs> so let's work for the government. <laughs> yeah, let's roast a boy. This is a very special one because we have like we're probably the most professional and have the most experts on the show. It's a resident expert. Yeah, true. Connor, tell us what's happening today. Today, we're going to be talking about Melville Dewey. Now, if that name is familiar, it's because his name, you've probably heard it before when you were in elementary school, first going to the library, and they were talking about the Dewey Decimal System. And we're going to be talking... I was going to say, before we go any further, like, we heard about it in elementary school, but like... I don't know if someone's in their early twenties. Would they have heard of the Dewey Decimal? Do you guys, you know, like, I is think it still so, a thing? Because it's still used. We're going to talk about how it's like still used and you know, kind of revolutionized libraries. And okay. I've seen in the libraries that I work at, and then also at uh, when I worked at Book Review, there was always like a kids' book that was like, "Let's learn about the Dewey Decimal System." Like, let's learn because it's useful to know um, if you're in school. So. Not yes. if you're dyslexic. Still used. Not if you're dyslexic. No, not helpful for that. We're <laughs> a badass. Continue. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so let's get started. Melville Lewis Kossuth Dewey was born on December 10th, 1851 in Adams Center, New York. That is far upstate near Lake Erie. He was the youngest of five children of Joel and Eliza Dewey. Now, life was not easy in Adams Center in 1851. Uh, it's a frontier town for the most part, and you know this is far upstate New York in the Adirondacks. Most residents of the town, their basic goal is survive the winter, and then in the summer prepare for the next winter to survive the winter that's going to happen. You got to imagine, like, think about those people who moved up there. What psychopaths they were! Yeah, like I'm well, going to go there where life is simple and desperate, <laughs> and but they horrifying. They, yeah. they also had enough flavor and enough culture to name put the middle name of their son house in spanish wait what was wait, what name? wasn't it casa did you say casa no, casuth k-o-s-s-u-t-h so oh, okay. so multiple houses from a a yeah a portuguese speaking um portugal man a lisbon man casa um so like i said not easy who what you're saying what type of people would move there well mostly evangelicals yeah so that's psychopaths that's who's moving there um so it's a town that you know obviously prides itself dedicating yourself to your work to helping others because you need to to survive winters like that now there's not much to go over about dewey's childhood we're going to hit a few points but the ones we're going to hit are mainly because they kind of inform the rest of his life and some of them are things that we don't know if Dewey told these stories about his childhood because they fit so perfectly with the man he became, or if they're actually true and just like it was, he was always going to turn into this dude. Hmm. So let's start first. From an early age, it was apparent to everyone that Melville liked organization and efficiency. Uh, he claims that when he was only five years old, his mother had left to go buy stuff in town. He opened up her spice cabinet, thought it was a disorganized mess, and reorganized the whole thing top to bottom. See, that's a, ma- that's a man that, or that's a boy that actually follows through with their organization. I feel like whenever you go to these places like, you know, uh, Ikea or anywhere like that, you see like the tiny little jars or like the spice racks or shit yeah. like that. And you're like, you get that organization boner and then you buy the thing and it just sits 
like next to your desk. Is yeah. that happening right now in your life? Oh yeah, I got and then so you got much. you have two basil's next to each other. Yeah, <laughs> you've got three different lemon pepper salts that you don't actually use. Yeah, I got this. You know, these three wicker things that I'm gonna put stuff in eventually <laughs> when I get organized. This is how we know you're not diseased in this way. <laughs> yeah. So continue yeah. with this man. So uh, part of the reason this story kind of fits is not only is it organization and efficiency, but for Dewey, it's everything had to be in its proper place. Everything and everyone should know exactly where they fit into the wider world. Okay. Um, so this goes from, you know, having the cabinet well organized so you can find the salt and pepper, to also uh, society's less desirables knowing where they stand in life. This could be fun. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, so another story uh, from his childhood. This one as a teenager, so he's starting to get older. Um, his dad was a cobbler. Made shoes, sold shoes, all the above with shoes. Cool. Uh, but the storefront's not doing well. And one day, Melville, I think he's like 13 or 14, goes over the books, looks through everything that his dad's business is doing, um, scouts out some of the competitors in the town that are other shoemakers, goes to his dad and says, Dad, you're an idiot. Storefront's losing money. You should shut it down and only do production. And you should give all of your inventory to the store down the street. His dad hears this, looks around, and goes, yep, you're right, and does exactly that. <laughs> what world is he living in? Because if I said anything like, hey, Dad, that you left the door open, you get hit. It's mm -hmm. amazing. And you'd think in 1860 or whatever, you'd think his dad would just hit him. But no, his dad's yeah, like, he, you're right. He would just throw him out the window and yeah. poke him in the eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, son, I'm going to introduce you to my friend, Cult45. Yeah. You don't like my shoes? Well, this one's going up your ass. Yeah. Well, apparently this dad uh, didn't have a spine. No, so yeah. he so listened Joel and Dewey he made money. Listened to him, maybe. And I think he, I, no, I think they did well after this. All right, cool. And you know what? I think the story could have been a lot different if he just got pistol whipped. Yeah, because that's what you should do with children: pistol mm -hmm. whip them. I'm not saying kill them, just pistol whip. Should make that a reality TV show where we take a bunch of like CEOs whose businesses are doing terribly and take their rich, annoying kids and put them through like business boot camps. And just beat them? No, and then like, <laughs> and then have them propose ideas to their parents. Oh, and then shoot them all. <laughs> now, now I'm with you. Yeah. Not shoot. There. The beating yeah. was now coming. Now I'm with you. Now I'm with you. Pistol whip. Yeah, we just send we we raid them like a like a Twitch streamer. Yeah. Now another thing um, about Dewey as a young age, and this one is absolutely true. Like, there's no way this wasn't, and you'll see why. He is obsessed with the number ten. And everything decimal. He thinks everything should be done in groups of 10. He likes how neat and tidy it is. He loves the metric system for this specific reason. Yeah, go to Europe, man. Yeah. In, yeah. A, high, in a high school essay, he wrote about the metric system, quote, its great superiority over all others consists in the fact that its scales, all its scales are purely decimal. So he fucking loves it. The number 10. I I mean, I'm not really a good American because the decimal system or the uh, metric system makes much more sense. It absolutely makes more it's sense. It's easier to read, but if you talk to engineers, there's a reason behind standard. Um, I remember listening to a podcast a long time ago where an engineer was like, "It's very, if you're not into engineering, you're going to go 
oh, the metric system makes way more sense. But there's something about when they do these giant constructions and that it's actually easier. That than it is, it's more efficient, huh. like in measuring and standard. I don't well, know. We, we don't even use the whole imperial system. I mean, in England, they well, the measure British each other do, in stones. The British do know? it the worst way. It's like, yeah. oh, uh, the London's this many kilometers, but you got to go this many miles an hour. Like, pick one. Do one or yeah, the but, other. But they also oh, weigh themselves in stone. Yeah. Like, how much do you weigh? And I was like, I don't know. I'm like 385 pounds. And they're like, oh, oh you're rich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, um, wait, so the, well, the metric system was also invented during the French Revolution, right? Well, or around that time? Wait, it's amazing that you mentioned that, Travis. Okay. You always have a knack for these segues that you don't <laughs> intend. Because yeah. more history predi predicting than I was yeah. doing. He commonly Remember? remarked, and this is the fucking one that he just knew this is the weirdest thing. He loved that he was born on the 10th of December. Now you'd think, oh yeah, he loves 10, he's born on the 10th day. No, no, no. Goes beyond that. Uh, the 10th of December is when the French National Assembly first adopted the early aspects of the metric system in 1799. Oh, Ooh. so back then, governments have been doing these cutesy things with yeah. their implementations of yeah, laws? Yeah, that was when they decided, like, this is what a meter is. And then from there, the metric system grew. And so he was like, I was born on the anniversary of when the French made the metric system. I love the number 10. I'm Melville Dewey. Awesome. I like oh. my bananas uh, 10 inches long. I like to <laughs> suck on bananas, everyone. Yeah. I, like, I, I don't like to peel them, though. Just, yeah, Dewey is actually a size queen. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be 10 inches or no-go. That's yeah. it. Um, so just to keep going on this um, 10 fascination, this is beyond his childhood, but he'll later have a club in Lake Placid that we're going to talk a lot about. Um, but one of the membership fees was $10, and that was, for I think, for like a seasonal one as like a guest member. And then a lifetime membership was $1,000 because he liked the decimals. He made sure guests at his home or at the club had to go to bed at 10 p.m. That was lights out. And it was 10 p.m. was also, if you weren't staying over the night, 10 p.m. was the last train back to Manhattan because they're always coming up from New York. Um, and he also preferred to write 10-page letters. And would always strive to, as he put it, sleep decimally, which meant 10 hours of sleep a night. Mm. <sighs> yeah. We're dealing with another very, you, you like, you you bring in these people that have very, like, weird, like, methodical lifestyles that do things very quirky. Well, I'm about <laughs> yeah. to talk more about Melville, and it's, we're going to remind you of Gustav Krupp, and maybe they, yeah, they right? would have gotten along really well for a few more reasons that we'll find out. Well, I mean, obviously there's something wrong with his brain a so bit people have said that he probably had not ocd but opcd so like ocd is obsessive compulsive disorder but opcd is obsessive personality compulsive disorder whereas right. like i've i don't want to not a, don't know the difference specifically but like ocd is like you have to do those certain rituals in your head whereas opcd is more like you find something that you like and you just obsess over that thing all right and that's kind of okay. what he's doing with the number ten. Well, you know, our, our and old, everything else he does. Our know. old motto for the show, which still kind of rings true, is that mental illness is hilarious. So, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. And also, if you want to get the high score of smoking cigarettes, you're going for a COPD. Oh, right. Yeah. Careful. Get yeah. the high score. You will <laughs> suffer the price of being too cool. Yep. <laughs> so um, Dewey, from a young age, also. He had, like, big dreams for himself. He wanted to reform um, the world, basically, and his idea for how to do that would be education. Um, for his 18th birthday, he went out and bought himself a nice pair of cufflinks, but he inscribed them with the letter R 
which is weird because his name is Melville Dewey. But he told people the R stood for reformer because he wanted to reform the world. Oh, no. Awesome. Yeah. There's so many people. This, he, so he's like the guy that whatever activism right now, it's what Ukrainian flag goes on his profile. Yeah. Right. Picture. Uh, would he have kind put of the Ukrainian? I don't know if he would have put the Ukrainian flags. <laughs> well, well, I, well, you know what I mean. The set to me, he's like, I'm a reformer. He, no, he would have been holding um, rallies at universities to get critical race theory overturned, over like thrown out of schools. That's what he would be doing right now. <laughs> Sounds like me. Yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, uh, part of all of his obsessions with efficiency and reform has to do with he believes in time saving to the like highest degree possible. Okay. Um, Even though he's sleeping ten hours a night. Yeah, that's, right. When he like when that I was like, how do you square those things? But yeah. I guess it's better than ten minutes a night, and it has to be a ten. So mm. I don't know. Maybe sleep ten minutes every hour, but well, that's n- like, never fully sleep. That's like a Winston <laughs> Churchill move, isn't yeah. that what he did? <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. There's he basically had like a near death experience in his late teens from a fire, mm. and he kind of realized like death is lurking around you at any moment. That doesn't mean you should live life to the fullest and like have fun all the time. It means you should ac- try to accomplish everything you want to accomplish in life right at the beginning. Like, it's don't great. waste time. Do it. Um, but Yolo. this led to some very bizarre time-saving methods that are going to like follow him all his life. Uh, the one that sticks out the most, and he becomes like a campaigner for this, along with a bunch of other like 19th-century intellectuals, is he believed in writing in shorthand and wanted to reform the way English was spelled. Like, across the board. That's awesome. Oh. Wait. Yeah. So, he uh, he would only write in shorthand, and he had, like, his own shorthand style. He would always ask people who were writing letters back to him to do the same type of shorthand style. Um, and he would join boards for, like, campaigns for simplified spelling. Like, Andrew Carnegie was a part of this. Um, I think when uh, Teddy Roosevelt was, like, kind of an advocate for this idea. Because this is only, like, 100 years previously was when spelling had kind of been codified with the dictionaries right. and everything. So this is when people still thought it could be changed. I mean, it can be. It yeah. is all the time. He he believed that simplified spelling could shorten an eight-year education into only six years. <laughs> just, just from shorter smart. spelling. Yeah. It's like, maybe, but we'll see. But you know what? Uh, people love to do what they know, right? Like, there's that whole thing where you can set your keyboard. What is it called? Dvorak or some type of... Different layout where, like, they were like, oh, this layout of keyboard is the best way to type. It's the fastest way to type. Like, and we still use the QWERTY keyboard, even though it's, like, the least efficient layout for a keyboard. Yeah, the reason it's laid out like that is so the typewriter hammers didn't hit with, yeah. hit each other with common letters being pressed. Yeah. Um, so so just because they invent, the yeah, just because they invent shorthand doesn't mean that anyone wants to read that garbage exactly, of dots exactly. and squiggles. Stupid. And I, I wrote, I, like, wrote down his spelling for some of the letters that we're going to get to, and we can go over that when we get to it. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So, despite all of his strangeness, all his oddities and eccentric behavior, it is very obvious to all around him that he is an extremely intelligent, extremely smart person. And this is at a time period where going to college actually meant something, mm. where this is like your actual way to get an education. You know, he's from a hard scrabble upstate. I, I know you said chance that. To get just to not hurt Travis and my feelings. <laughs> I'm looking at you know. <laughs> I appreciate it. I know many of our listeners are also hardworking men and women. Yeah, but, but also that, that it's, don't it's ba- care for college life. It's also back in the time where it's like if you were able to sell two apples, you could become a lawyer. Yeah, like his dad like, sold oh. like a new pair of shoes and was like, yeah. "We're getting you to college, boy." Yeah. <laughs> 
So he briefly attended Alfred University in upstate New York, um, but he did not spend there spend any long time there. Uh, he quickly transferred to Amherst College in Massachusetts. Now, the primary reason for this was he loved that Amherst offered an outstanding physical education program. Oh, one of these guys. Ah. Well, not really, because I couldn't find an explanation for this, despite saying that the phys ed program was the reason he left. The only sport he took partook in at Amherst was horseback riding. And the only reason he did horseback riding is because it was faster than walking. Oh, oh. and horses shit 10 clips at a time. <laughs> yeah. Maybe? I was going to say Am- Amherst had a 10 course program and they offered 10 sports. Yeah. So he was like, that's my school. Yeah. Curling um, counts twice because it's extra manly sport. <laughs> there's, there's a pitcher and the broom man. Yeah. Uh, It's around this time that Melville shortens his name. So he was born Melville Dewey, spelt M-E-L-V-I-L-L-E, the normal Melville, and Dewey, D-E-W-E-Y. He changes this to Melville Dewey, M-E-L-V-I-L, and and Dewey, D-U-I. D-U-I? D-U-I. Dewey. Great. (laughs) Dewey. So good. He believed this would uh, make it easier for people to communicate with him. It would make his life simpler because he wouldn't have to waste his time on four <laughs> extra letters. Um, however, it, <laughs> this guy's retarded. It did not stick because his bank was like, "No, we're not honoring this change." And he goes, "All right, can I keep the Melville shortened?" And they're like, "Sure." So the Melville sticks. That's why whenever you see him, he has, it's spelled M E L V I L. But the Dewey, he goes back to the full spelling. So dumb. Not, oh, not going to be the last weird smelling thing he does. He does this literally up until the moment he dies. He I look forward to this. <laughs> I want to read everything yeah. this man's ever written. Yeah, and he's a prolific writer, so we've got a lot of his letters. Wow. Now, he was not the most popular guy at Amherst College um, because someone who wants to go out and reform the entire world is probably going to be lecturing to his students, which is what he did. Um, they weren't he, even his students, though. No, it just his classmates. Just the yeah, classmates. The, the students. Um, right. He lectured them for wasting time, for not getting to places on time, and he really, really hated that they smoked tobacco. Oh, oh no. Yeah. Trying to, try to get that high score of COPD. Not Melville. Do the do was a serious buzzkill. Yeah. Man. So, yeah, so Mel is there, and he's, like, giving lectures, and fucking Bryce at Amherst is like, Yo, bro, chug it! Dude, take this beer bomb, bro! It's like, I'm I do not if, have time for that. I'm wondering if someone who was sick of his shit, if he was like, You gotta stop drinking all those beers, would be like, Well, I drank ten beers, bro. Isn't that better than none? <laughs> and he's grinding his teeth. <laughs> ten beers? <laughs> Ten of the devil's demons. What if cops? I drink an eleventh, dude? You gonna be mad? Yeah. What if you smoke ten cigarettes a day? Ooh, tricked him. He'd probably have an aneurysm. Yeah. Um, he went to such great lengths about his hatred of tobacco that he, um, he had like a few friends, but he like calculated how much money they were spending and would like show them bills and be like, "This is how much money you're spending lifetime on tobacco. This is how much like." You're wasting all your money on this on this offensive product. This guy would have bought Bitcoin in 2009 and sold it for some shit coin the next year. <laughs> yeah, he would have sold, sold in 2011 and been like, great profit. Yeah, Six I made bucks. a profit and I'm no, buying some... It some increased kind of- tenfold. I gotta sell. <laughs> oh, so this ties into How's Your Week. There's this asshole that walks down my street and I, you know, you can't smoke in your apartment. I wouldn't want to do that. So I got to smoke out on the sidewalk. 
every time he never says it to my face. He always just like mumbles some shit about smoking. Like, and there it's all it's always dumb. It's always just like the same. Oh, smoking's bad for the baby, or something like that. Like he'll just like walk by and like say that shit. One of these confused Portland residents that think you're a woman that's pregnant or something while he says that? I don't know. You ask him what baby? (laughs) So this Dewey Dewey Decimal idiot does this this week, and I just fucking flip. I'm like, you passive-aggressive cunt. Like, come on, fucking say that to my face, you dick. Like, I'm shouting at him in the street. It's like, hood up, walking. (laughs) He didn't turn around or anything? Nope. It sounds like Melville. Next time you see him in the street and he's walking by with his hood, rape him. I think that's what I think is the logical thing. I think yeah. I'm in the right to rape. Yeah, you are. He said enough <laughs> things at you. All right. So now we're at a crucial moment in young Melville Dewey's life because now at Amherst College, uh, I believe in his only his second year there, second or third year there, he walks into the, the library at the school and is like, what the fuck is this shit? It is a disorganized mess. Books are everywhere. He can't find anything. He does not like what he finds. He immediately applies for employment because he wants to reform the library. And his primary goal is, you know, rectifying all the mistakes and all. He wants to create a new system of organizing the library. All right. Now, at this time, he had a point. Libraries, up until this point, have no real uniform um, cataloging or organizational framework. Basically, and this is like whatever happened at Amherst was kind of a symbol for like what's going on in every library at this time. They'll have a section that's like, this is history, this is science, this is math, whatever. Mm -hmm. But the list of all the books that they have in like the card catalog, when it lists where the location is, it'll say like history, third floor, second shelf, uh, or like second aisle, third shelf from the top, like halfway down to find that. And then you, Uh, a little rough. It's like, all right, a little rough. Um, so usually it had like the it would have like the floor number, the aisle number, shelving section, all that stuff. Now, right. sure, that's fine, but well, if you think about it for like half a second, it's a disaster. Because right. like, what if your book moves? Well, well, like I mean, yeah. I feel like that's that's even more codified than how you would send a letter back in the day. You know, back in the day, there was no like like numbers on houses. You'd just be like that third house on <laughs> off of the main street. Yeah, the um, wood. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, next to the statue of a troll. <laughs> yeah. So it's like this convoluted mess that if if a book is, we- like, if you're weeding the collection, then you have to, like, take books off shelves and then the shelves move. So now you have to re-catalog every single book that's in the library. What if you add a bunch of new books and you have to build a new shelf and then the shelves move? Mm. Well, now you have to re-catalog every book in the library. Man, I, this would make me want to invent a computer. Yeah. And yeah. not only is like it just like the history section, it's just, that's it. It's just history. So you're going to have like one book will be on the Civil War and then the next book will be on the Ancient Greeks. And then the next book will be about like the Middle-Aged Chinese area. It's bullshit. And then like the next one will be like a very contemporary history book. And then another Civil War book, but not next to the other Civil War book. It's a mess. Right. So history of knitting is always next to Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically like trying to search a subject on Netflix where you're like, I put in <laughs> horror and there's the Veggie Tales. Like yeah. that's not mm. even horror. They Netflix. don't. They don't have horror on Netflix. Netflix is terrible. Yeah. Now, not only is this confusing for the librarians, um, but because of how confusing the system is, most libraries at this time don't let people into the stacks. 
So if you are a student and you want to get books on the Civil War, you have to go up to the library and say, hey, I'm looking for books on the Civil War. They say, all right, wait here for an hour. And then the librarian disappears into the shelves, finds all the books that you need, and then brings them back to you. And then if you go, actually, I need books on this part of it, they go, all right, I got to go back and then look through them all. Because it was too confusing to like let people just wander, and then if they did, they're going to be moving books around, and now all of the card catalog is out of order, and it's just, it's a fucking mess. Dude, uh, librarians were probably so jacked. Yeah. Just fucking <laughs> moving all them books for people? Probably. But like also unintentional gatekeepers. Like there could have been a book that had exactly what you wanted, but because you couldn't go look, You're in, you, yeah. you had to learn what this guy wanted you to. And that's what Dewey, Dewey notices all these problems. And this is the type of thing that like, it's one of those ideas that sounds so obvious in hindsight, but there is no one did it up until him. Mm -hmm. And so like his idea is just so revolutionary. He's thinking, I want to create a permanent classification system where any book or where one book in any library is going to have the same indicator of where it should be found. So it doesn't matter what library it's in, it's going to have the same thing. And all the nonfiction is going to be arranged together. And you'll be able to like go through, find what you're looking for. And not only that, but each of those indicators are going to be used so that the books in that subject are right next to it. So that way someone browsing can see all the stuff that they're looking for. Now, he's trying to think of how can I do this? You know, he doesn't have a, a set idea yet. He, he just knows he like wants analog this. Google, really. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing about Dewey. I'll mention this now. He's a mad genius. Like... This idea is so revolutionary and still in use today because of how brilliant it is. It's all the implement, implementation of it and the fact that it was a white guy born in 1850s America that it came up with the system is why it has so many problems now. Right. Hmm. We'll Dude, get into those. We have, uh, I feel like a good tandem episode to this is when we roasted, I think his name was William Chester Minor. Who he was the guy who basically wrote the Oxford English Dictionary. Oh yeah, also I've heard of that guy. yeah, yeah, also a fucking whack job, like with like codifying words and like I don't know Didn't what it is. If you're it like a, in a prison or in an asylum or something. He was in a prison. Yeah, but he and then he chopped his dick off. Yeah, he's cool. Um, <laughs> Dewey is not like he still doesn't. I don't want to drink a beer with him. No, no, Minor, no. I kind of want to find drink out, a beer with. You'll find out why he wouldn't want to drink a beer with you, specifically. No, no <laughs> but it just, it just kind of, sh it kind of just goes to show you the, uh, like, what these grammar Nazis are like. You know what I yeah. mean? Shut the fuck up. I, sorry I said is instead of are. Like, do you want, you want to be like these creeps? Yeah. No. <laughs> so, Dewey has this idea, and again, it's still loose at this point. It's just he knows what type of classification system he wants to put in, but he doesn't know how he's going to do it. Well, he thinks back, what do I love most in this world? The number 10. Boom. Solution to all his problems is the number 10. Reportedly, this happens while he's attending a chapel service that, like, he just has, like, a bolt of lightning moment where he's, like, 10 categories, and then 10 smaller categories, and then 10 smaller categories. This is my genius. Love it. Yeah. And he did all this at the age of 21, because on May 8th, 1873, 21 years old, still a student, not, you know, he's still just a, like a junior um, working at the library. He gathers um, the professional librarians, a bunch of professors, and like the board of Amherst College prevents, presents his idea of, I want to create a classification system for the books in the library where we can uh, have like permanent classification. It'll be easier to find it. It's, do you, I, well, go try Travis. I was going to say, do you think like the master librarian, like Jerry was like, no, 
This is how we do it. There's a pile of books here. That is for beauty. And then there's a pile of books here. This is how you breed donkeys. All these books. <laughs> all, all for breeding donkeys. Endless knowledge at your fingertips. <laughs> well, you'd think they might. But no, his idea is so obviously beneficial and so obviously like the way to go that they immediately are like, yes, we'll do whatever you need. Assemble a team. Let's do this. We think this is a fantastic idea. Here's your uh, your pro bono Illuminati gift card. Yeah. Yeah. You're one of us <laughs> I, now. I th- yeah. I think the master librarian Jerry just got like voted. Uh, yeah, he was like about to start like, his like objections, yeah. but then everyone else yeah. beat him to it by saying, "This is brilliant." He's like, oh, "I guess I gotta keep my donkey breeding books somewhere else." Yeah, he had a slow <laughs> uh, hand raise yeah. for I. Yeah. Um. So in theory, like I said before, the Dewey Decimal System is a stunning human achievement, completely revolutionary in its approach to how to organize knowledge, and the true genius is that it lies. Um, it can be applied to any library. Anywhere, no matter how big or small their collection is, they can use the Dewey Decimal System and have the same structure of organization that makes it easy for the librarian and for the patron browsing. Um, and that's that last point. That's kind of why people are allowed to browse through libraries today is because Dewey made it so easy that the libraries that had been restricting people from going through the stacks, now that they have this system, it's like, okay, well, everyone can look through. So that's like the gatekeeper knowledge. He like broke down that gate to like let people access the knowledge directly the supermarket of knowledge yeah so now let's talk about the dewey decimal system okay let me air my grievances remind me all right yeah you have to deal with this shit on a daily basis yeah so the initial 10 main classes that dewey comes up with and again this is trying to compress the totality of human knowledge into a number system from zero 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 to nine 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 so pretty so wait are you pretty daunting task are you telling me that he already foresaw all the books uh, written for boomers that explaining TikTok um, in the in the past? Yeah, that, that would be in the six hundreds. Oh, yeah, I'm okay. gonna ask you a few questions. So I'm gonna go through. Go. I'm gonna go through the ten first. So this is what his initial ones were, and I'll go over if they changed. So the zeros to ninety nine is general. This is now computer science information and general. The hundreds is philosophy. 200s is theology. Now it's just religion. Not really a difference there, but I don't know. They changed the name. 300s is sociology. 400s is philology, which is just language and still just language. 500 is what was called natural sciences. Now it's just science. 600 was useful arts. Now it's technology. Useful arts. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Change. Yeah, what is tire. that? That's an oxymoron. Yeah. Well, wait. Then the seven hundreds are fine arts. <laughs> so, oh, right, right. Yeah. So one gets one's for subway sandwiches. Yeah, and the other one's yeah. for the one's useful, Jared. one's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, the fine arts uh, that later includes like all recreation, um, but that wasn't initially. The eight hundreds is literature. Nine hundreds is history. Now, all that sounds good. Could you think of a subject that you think sh- like sh- should have taken precedence over any of these? But I feel I f- kind of feel like all anything could fit under one of these ten umbrella categories. <sighs> wait, so wait, so you're telling me that the fine arts you said it changed into recreation? No, it's like fine arts and recreation. Right. So if which, I'm which, trying to find so if I'm trying to find a book on how to smoke the dankest weed, I'm going to go to fine arts. You would no, you'd probably go um to the 500s for natural sciences cuz that's where like herbology, gardening and that stuff is. No, this is recreational, recreational. bro. It's not medicinal. Not so, medicinal, right. bro. 700s then probably. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can't think of anything I I, I wouldn't 
I don't know. Because I, I think he, he kind of covers it. And it's not just him. It's like this him. He's leading this project, obviously. But others at Amherst are helping him come up with like the 10 categories. So isn't theology versus religion? Like religion is a practice based thing. And theology is like the history of yeah. religion. Yeah. So like they could be combined. Yeah. And it, it kind of is. It's just like the different terminology used nowadays. It's a very Christian thing to go like this is the religion this is like where the real religion is yeah and then if you want to study your books about greece people then it's here well we're yeah. going to talk a lot about that oh now look. well i I mean i well i think it i think it does cover everything but at the same time you connor you said it's been like modified since oh yeah so you know what i mean been, like it's i think 26 major editions of the dewey decimal system and dewey himself wrote the first like three as they kind of refined it as it was going and then it's been refined the last one was in the last major one i think was in 2012 um but there's always like small updates happening throughout uh well yes. i'm excited for the day that furry porn is added to the dewey decimal system probably under mm, i don't know if that'd be under technology no it's or gonna be its own thing i mean they're gonna start they'll just make the hundreds look the internet's gonna go down philosophy. The, the internet's gonna go down at some point and those hard drives are gonna come out they're gonna all go to the fedex they're gonna make their books yeah. it's gonna be fine art of sort but they're not gonna be uh next to the other fine art yeah now, I want all of you to go to your local library and ask where what section is the furries in? Yeah, where's the study of furry porn go? Hmm. Um, now, look, like I said before, a lot of the problems that are going to happen with the Dewey Decimal System stem from the fact that he was a evangelical born in 1850 New York, and so just by that, he's going to be a little racist by our modern standards. Uh... But he, by the standards of the time, he's not more exceptionally more racist than those around him okay hold on a second so, uh, 1851 him, he was born yeah dude he's obviously not racist he was born in new york that's a union oh right we won't be racist <laughs> How, he's, he couldn't, he couldn't I'm sorry, be Melville. haven't you ever been to a history class <laughs> they can't be racist yeah, uh, was, you know Abraham Lincoln wasn't racist. He freed the slaves. Yeah, no one in New York's racist, or <laughs> Connecticut, especially. So most, especially, yeah, most especially of what I'm they love, they just really like white hoodies. There, they're not racist, but they just love white hoodies. Yeah, and it's just the stitching that makes them point up. That's yeah. all. Yeah, it's just the stitching, but it's a faulty look. stitching. Yeah. Now look, confining all of human knowledge into ten categories is kind of crazy. But like we said, these are big enough to adapt it. But it's when you get into the subcategories that all of the problems with this system being set up by a guy in the 1800s becomes very obvious. Tom, you brought up religion. It's perfect because that's the one I'm going to spend most of this time on. Nice. 200s. Yeah. Religion. Supposed to encompass all of humanity, right? That's the idea. All of human knowledge is going to be sure. compressed into these. Connor, there's only one guy in all of human knowledge, Jesus. Well... Melville would say the same because the first nine subcategories of the 200s that cover religion is exclusively for Christianity. Wow. Oh. The two and is that still is that still today? That's still today because it's too expensive and too cumbersome to change all of that. They can work around the margins, but it's kind of hard to reform the whole thing from so, the ground up. So the, w one through nine is all Christianity. And then the 10th subsection, I'm assuming, is just a bunch no, of dirty... Zero. So zero through eight. Zero so through like, eight. Okay, so it's indexed. Yeah, so like 200s to 209 is general religion. But when you look at like the 201, 202, it's pretty clearly like 
Christianity. Right. The two tens right. is comparative religion, but it's mostly about comparing different Christian sects. That's great. The two twenties is just the Bible. Like two twenty is the Bible. One and chunk. then two twenty one is this part of the Bible. Two twenty two is this part of the Bible. Two twenty three is like this aspect of the Bible. Two twenty three is this these debates about the Bible. So two I don't know, Connor. The, I mean you wait, could do I'm not I'm just gonna say <laughs> Yeah, say it. Hold on. You, say the two thirties yeah. is Christianity. The two forties is Christian practices. Two fifties is Christian orders. Two sixties is the history of the Catholic Church. It's insane. It all of the like first nine up to the 290s, which is then other religions. Right, which is a bunch of dirty scrolls thrown Just into the janitor Other religions mop. is all of the 290s. <laughs> Every other religion that has ever existed in all of humanity is under 290 to 299. I mean, we're in America. Let's be real. That's <laughs> It's so bad. <sighs> yeah, it's fine. But what are you doing reading religious books? There's churches for that. Yeah, go right. away. I, I, I'm, I'm not offended by the ratio there. I'm just offended that it's there in general. Like, you what are you doing? Here? You don't need religion. Yeah. You have you have tax free housing for this. Like, don't <laughs> make me pay for this with taxes. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I was gonna say, you know, you, you joke that like there's a section just for Bibles, but dude, they got so many bangers on there. They got like the King James dog, like, yeah. that jump off. They I got think, like, I think one of the small <laughs> subsections is editions of the Bible, and it's just like here's all the different editions. Wow, <laughs> that's fucking awesome. So the two nineties are so messed up because of this, because not only are the two nineties all other religions, the first four are about ancient European religions. So Paganism, it's right? even more Eurocentric. So it's like 290 is like other religions general. 291, ancient Greek and Roman. 292, ancient Spanish-Portuguese religions. 293, Germanic religions. Do you think when he was doing the test run of this, there was some guy who was like had a book on Shinto and he was like going to put it on the shelf? No, 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 no. Hey, Get we, that out of here. Can we do this? No, no put that over there. Weeaboo. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So let's talk about one big one. That's uh, so Islam, you know, second biggest religion in the world. That gets its own sub number. That gets, I think, two ninety five. I think is Islam. I we should have taken that away from them. Two thousand one. Well, Hinduism, the world. <laughs> Hinduism, the world's oldest continuously practiced religion, the third most populous religion in the world, does not get its own unique number. Because 294 is for religions, uh, no, Indic religions is what it's called. So all religions that originate from India have to be under 294, which means every single book about Hinduism is under 294.5, and then whatever other numbers they have to add to like say what type of book it is about Hinduism. So what... <sighs> Is this how, is this why they ruined the Beatles or something? Like, why, <laughs> like why did they come over here and give us acid and start? I, I don't know. They were mad at Dewey. So this... that that was the whole reason why the Beatles got into into that those uh, European or those uh, Indian um, religions. It's got where the guy was giving out acid in the library. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, now like this it. is true for almost all the other system, uh, like larger um, sections as well. So. Like the languages, the 400s, the first eight are all different European ones. And then it's like 490s, all other languages. So like one of the sections under the 490s is all Southeast Asian languages, which means all the languages spoke by a group of people that's like 3 billion people is under yeah. one tiny number. Whereas like 
a small sect of German has the same exact num- like level of number. <laughs> All right, yeah. I mean, it's the, the, they call it the gobbledygook section. I mean, it's not yeah. even real. Yeah. <laughs> now look, this all sounds pedantic um, because if you think about it, you're like, well, no, you just add, keep adding numbers, and all the books that are together will still be together. They'll just have a long number string. Yeah. But then you just think about a spine of a book; it's not going to fit all those numbers, and it's also like hard to catalog when you're getting into that granular detail. So what ends up happening is you just chop it off at one point. And so then when you have all the Hinduism books, they're not going to go past 294.5. So then if you're looking to like write about a very specific part of Hinduism, the section is going to be huge and it's not all going to be, it's, it's going against the purpose of the system. Right. That he set up. So what it's you're saying, what you're saying is that Dewey is going out of his way to save a lot of people's souls. <laughs> He really wants them to read about Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Do you think there's people out there? I mean, you might know. If there, are there people out there that's trying to change it? And then like people like Joel Olstein are like, no, 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 that's my bookshelf area. Uh, thankfully, <laughs> there's libraries. We'll get into. You'll see that's why true. there's really no one on the other side of that argument. There's like no one left defending Dewey. Um, this kind of <laughs> all flips in the '90s, where everyone's like, oh, we're no longer going to defend this guy, and we're going to work our asses off to change it. Hmm. Yeah, so these are the most obvious examples. Is the Christian, the religion one is like glaringly obvious. The language ones too, because um, it again it goes counter to what his whole idea is of pa- placing them together based off subject. Um, but there are other problems with it. Um, we're not going to go into all of them, but I want to mention this one. It wasn't until 1996 that texts relating to homosexuality were stopped being listed under the number 132 for mental derangements or <laughs> under the number 159.9 for abnormal psychology. Uh, oh. yeah, 96 <laughs> is when they finally are like, we should just put it with other sexuality. Right, right. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Look, the AIDS crisis is over. We're all right. Now. We tried to get them with the AIDS. Uh, they're not stopping. Yeah. Let's, uh, yeah. let's stop. Our president. Our, our president's half gay. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. fun. All right. So that's the Dewey Decimal System. It's brilliant. It's got its problems. It's been changed. They keep twerking, uh, like tweaking it, but who knows how successful that'll be. But it's still used in almost every single public library you're going to find. I should also at this time mention the Dewey Decimal System is only used for nonfiction. That isn't because there's a space in it for no space for fiction there is a space for fiction it's because dewey hated fiction and believed it served no purpose in life yeah so there's like not a good it's it wouldn't work to like use dewey for fiction so fiction is still just last name by author right yeah huh okay so that's why most libraries like here's the fiction it's just the author's name here's the dewey decimal system for all the nonfiction. yeah I mean, that's what books are for, for learning. Yeah. Yeah. No one learned anything reading Moby Dick. What are you going to reference in a fiction book? It's it's fine. There it is. It's yeah. the author. Go read Go it. Go pick it up. Yeah. Yeah. Who cares? Exactly. I, I'm not trying to learn about worms and sand in Dune. I want to learn about real worms and sand in the Dewey Decimal Dune area. <laughs> the Dooney Decimal? The Dooneys would be under um, probably sciences. <laughs> yeah. So we could go on this, I I could go on and on about this, um, but let's get back to the man himself. So again, he's 21 when he presents this idea. They work on it for a few years before it's ready to be published. In 1876, they do. They publish it out. The initial publication of the Dewey Decimal System is called A Classification and Subject Index for Cataloging and Arranging Books and Pamphlets of a Library. It's an instant uh, hit. 
Everyone loves it. It's being adopted by dozens, then hundreds, then thousands of libraries almost immediately. That shows kind of how incredibly revolutionary it was and how effective everyone recognized it to be. Right. And I don't mean to belittle what you do for work, Connor, but it also illustrates how bored people were at the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. I know how to look at a book so I can look at these Douglas first. I can find all the books about the worms. Yeah. They're all together. It's good. Don't get me wrong, but... uh, yeah. Uh, see, yeah. I would have been, I would have been pissed. I'd be like, "Damn, I love digging through these smelly old books with silverfish in them. They're my favorite <laughs> activity of the day." Yeah. Uh, so, like yeah. I said, such an obvious improvement on what libraries had been doing that everyone in the library field immediately looks to. He becomes like a household name in the librarian world overnight, um, and he's viewed as like a prodigy. He's like 24 when this is all happening, and everyone's like, "This guy's a genius. He's going to revolutionize our field," and he continues to do so. Um, after taking a position at Amherst after graduation, he does not stay long before he leaves to found the Library Journal. The Library Journal today is still the premier trade publication for the library profession. Cool. And he founded it back in the 1870s. Does it have like a centerfold of just like an organized shelf or something? Oh, yeah. And you guys you are like, oh, him. yeah. God. <laughs> And Connor goes to work. He opens up his locker, and he's got the centerfolds like slapped on there. Oh man, baby, look at those three hundreds. Yeah, Woo! we got I mean, pasted on the wall. The reference office. <laughs> Oof, it's so hot. Yeah, I, I mean, we've all sat in the bathroom reading one of our parents' magazines as a child and seen the uh, ads and the clip-out coupons for those items. Yeah, you know, oh this canvas sun hat. Oh this hammock. <laughs> Oh look at yeah. this uh, cutting board. Yeah, like that. I just imagine a whole book of that. Kind of. But the Library Journal would be revolutionary in changing how librarians thought about their own profession. Um, And it's stuff that's still being used today. Um, So here's a quote from one of his articles that he wrote in the very first issue. Uh, It's an article titled The Profession. Quote, the time was when a library was very like a museum and a librarian was a mauser in musty books and visitors looked with curious eyes at ancient tomes and manuscripts. The time is when a library is a school and the librarian is in the highest sense a teacher and the visitor is a reader among the books as a workman among his tools. So that's a pretty amazing, you know, laying out the foundation of what librarians should be and something that librarians today, myself included, still believe in. We're, yeah, but I we're, like we're helping you find your tools. Okay, so just like Dewey, eh? Uh, no, 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 please, no. All right. <laughs> uh, but that shows kind of how, like, in the library world, we, most people don't like him because, again, we're not up to the bad parts of him yet. <laughs> but he's still like the, he did create the modern library science world. Right. So there had been movements among librarians since before Dewey was even born um, to create a professional organization. This is the time of year, or time of year. This is the time when um, like professional trade groups are kind of becoming a thing. So it's like the late 1800s. like there are lawyer groups being set up, banking groups, doctor trade professions and in 1876 at the centennial exposition in philadelphia the american library association is formed and dewey's signature is the very first one on the charter the american library association still exists today so again damn long it was formed by the he formed so it was formed by the little kid and malcolm in the middle that's yep. amazing <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> 
signing it while uh, dealing with a serious wedgie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fucking Reese, mean wedgie. So so Reese. Uh, so it was also at this event um, where Dewey met his first wife, Annie Godfrey. She was a librarian at Wellesley College. Uh, the two would be married up until her death. They would have one son, who they named Godfrey after her maiden name, um, and that would be Dewey's only child, young young Godfrey. His let nickname me guess. was ten. Probably. <laughs> I was gonna say, let me guess. She was ten years old when they married, and she died at one hundred. He made sure she turned a hundred. He carried dead. her corpse around for quite some time. Yeah. He made. He kept. He pushed Godfrey's head back in. That way, she had a ten month pregnancy. Yeah. <laughs> he Jackie chained that Godfrey. Uh, it's around this time um, in the late eighteen seventies where he's continuing to innovate for libraries. He's also running um, like a small company that does sells library supplies. Um, he invents the hanging vertical file, which I'm not entirely sure what exactly it was he invented because whenever I looked up hanging vertical file, I would just get pictures of cabinets, of filing cabinets. Right. So I don't know if he invented filing cabinets or just like a different type of file organization thing. No, it's the it's the file with the hooks on it. There you go. That's, that's the one. Yeah, that's that goes into the. It's yeah. It's a hanging oh, file. Yeah. So yeah, he invents that. It's awesome. Shit. Um, he also standardized the size of cards in the card catalogs because it used to be that every library's card catalog would be different sizes. He standardized the sizes, standardizes where the information on it goes. That way, going from library to library, it's all the same and it's easier to read. Yeah, because they used to give uh, you know the local mongo like uh, some scissors and some oak tag and go make some cards. Yeah, make some cards for us. Yeah. All right, so now it's 1883, um, and Dewey, kind of, not at the peak of his fame, but still, like, the next great thing, well, the great thing in the library world, none other than Columbia University asks him to establish the very first library school. It would be the first institution created with the sole intention of training librarians for the working world. Dewey immediately sets to work. He thinks this is kind of like his life's goal. Like, he loves the Dewey Decimal System, but this is really what he wanted to do, reform education, teach the next generation. And so he creates a curriculum that's going to prepare librarians both for, like, the practical aspects, but also, like, the theory aspects. So learning how to do collection development, learning how to stock the shelves the right way, how to write a card catalog, all the things a librarian might be expected to do. Now, what he does next is even... One of the most radical things he could possibly do at the time. A kickflip. He does a kickflip <laughs> right in front of the board of directors of Columbia. Sick, bro. You're hired. And while he's doing the kickflip, he tells them, uh, of my initial 26 students, 19 of them are ladies. Now, oh, you know, to us now, we're like, oh, yeah, librarian, female-dominated profession. Obvious. Well, no, it wasn't. It was male-dominated at this time, but Dewey... Firmly believed that uh, women were the future librarians of the world. He was always convinced they were destined to become librarians. And he was adamant that despite the fact that women were barred from entering Columbia University, he brought in 19 women to be his first uh, class. That's very progressive. Right? Isn't that so nice? And probably in an ass backwards way. Because he was probably like mothering. Mothering of knowledge. Stay in the kitchen. Kitchen. Cabinets. cabinets, (laughs) Kind of like shelves. Is that kind of the direction? Yeah. It's yeah. going to be more nefarious than that. These, awesome. books, these books are babies. These women will treat the babies with respect. Come here, Tabitha. I need to test out the new library copier. Why don't you sit up here? Uh, you're wearing, uh, Just hike your dress up hike a little your, bit yeah. more. So you look worn. <laughs> and let me just photocopy that snizatch. <laughs> 
Uh, now, one of the reasons uh, he believed this was that uh, librarians are generally a public-facing position, um, and that in order to do their job adequately, they need to gain the trust of the patron that they've just met. He thought women were better at doing this. Breasts. Yeah, we're all of his student double D's. No, it's just so good because it really is like the jokes are actually what's going to happen. <laughs> good. Yeah, so that's he's like, yeah, no, they're better suits this task. Yeah, the However, more knowledge, the more knowledge they have in the chest region, the better they're going to be as a librarian. Perfect. So, part of the application though required information for the applicant's height, weight, hair, and eye color, and also strongly requested that a photo be included on the application. There you go. In every single article I read that mentioned this, they also went out of their way to mention that the rumor that he also requested they put down their bust size was not true. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. But every single article went out of their way to be like, but that rumor that he asked for how big their boobs were, that's not true. He didn't no. ask for how big their boobs were. <laughs> but he could have. And I mean, I get it. I get it. You're preparing people to read. You want to warm those eyes up a bit. Yeah. They're about to slink into a world of text. Get them moving around, bouncing. Yeah, ogle yeah. a bit. You don't want to walk in. Oh, whoa. Yeah. What, a big bad yeah. guy? <laughs> oh, dude, you know, I can't learn now. Yeah. <laughs> you got to lubricate them eyes with cleavage, you know, so they slide across the page better. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's like pre-cum for your eyes. I just love that, like, every single article is like, no, 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 the boob thing, not true. <laughs> The boob thing. Like I didn't Not see true. I didn't see Love one it. saying, oh, and he also requested bus size. All of them were like, no, 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 he didn't. He didn't. No, no, so no. So it was no, like no. it was had to be such a pervasive rumor that everyone had to go out of the way to be like, no, guys, he only wanted their pictures. Everyone made the joke. Yeah. Uh when asked about why he required all this stuff, his response was, quote, you can't polish a pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, uh, Mary Todd Lincoln would not be allowed into the library. No. Yeah. Never a librarian. <laughs> so another reason that he thought women were the future of libraries was that he also kind of viewed librarians as the support staff for the real thinkers, <laughs> which would be men. All right. So this, this would free up educated men to do other jobs, whereas educated women would be perfect for libraries. But then he's um, also kind of calling himself a woman. She's like, I'm the master librarian. No, he's setting them up. No, he's oh, the okay. he's the director of the oh, library. Okay. They do the like grunt work. He's oh. the head coach. Yeah. Yeah, but as we as we've seen in the move in the 1999 version of the Mummy, a woman in the library is going to knock over all the shelves in the very yes. beginning. Oh, good point. Did yeah. did he get involved in nailing or bolting down riveting these shelves down after seeing that know. movie? Yeah, Maybe. He, yeah, probably. <laughs> we're gonna it's like look, dominoes. I'm bringing a lot of women in here. Okay, <laughs> there's gonna be a lot of broads. Yeah. So right. what we're gonna need to do is make the shelves a little lower than we had them previous, because we don't need them climbing up and yeah. lawsuiting us into the ground. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Here's a, here's um, another thing. He believed he's always believed that men should be paid more than women, even in equal roles. Um, and he justified this by saying, and this is even the case for like the librarian, like basic jobs that he thought women should be doing. But even if a man was doing it, they should be paid more because, quote, uh, they could, well, this isn't quote, uh, they can uh, lift more things and men could climb a ladder. Yeah. 
So I guess he doesn't think women can climb ladders. Uh, Dude, well, clearly in the movie. Well, decent can. women can't. <laughs> Capital R reformer. Yeah. yeah. Um, this this is the quote that uh, is alluding to that. He says, "Quote: There are many uses for which a stout corduroy is really worth more than the finest silk." <laughs> a stout yeah. corduroy. <laughs> I, that, I want I want that to be my That's rap good. name. Stout corduroy. Stout corduroy. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was probably laying in bed at night and going like, ah, "I wish these women could climb ladders, but <sighs> then they'd have to wear dresses, not wear dresses. Then they'd have to wear corduroys. They'd have to wear corduroys. Yeah, and uh, can't have women wearing corduroys around books. Yeah, this is a farm. <laughs> now, despite Dewey's horrendous motivations for mm-hmm. why he wanted women to be, yeah, they're fine. All the, uh, the like librarians. Um, it actually is the reason why there are so many female librarians is because it is a public facing position. And this is a time when more women are starting to be educated and educated women as they're entering the world, the only female professionals they're seeing are librarians. So it kind of like becomes a feedback loop of like, well, I'm an educated woman, but the only women I see working are librarians. So I'm going to become a librarian. I don't buy that. I don't buy that at all. It became like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, Yeah, but I don't buy it because like, you know, you just, you're always going to see more female strippers than male strippers. (laughs) You know, it's just, it's, it's just the way of the world. So, ladies like quiet, from my understanding. Oh, okay. I, I've talked to many ladies who listen to the show, and they listen to the show on very low volumes. I know a lot of little boys that watch a lot of Macho Man Randy Savage. I don't see any more Macho Mans. You know there. a lot of little boys? Travis, No, what's growing up. up. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wait, they're growing up or when you were growing up? Dude, Macho Man's dead. He can't be, you can't grow up to be Macho Man. He'd be a ghost. You I can't can, grow up to be a ghost. I can grow up to be where Macho Man is now. <laughs> yeah, Dead. that's true. <laughs> um, however, so despite all this, uh, Dewey does some amazing work at the Columbia Law, uh, Columbia Library. He extends the operating times from they were open four days a week for limited hours to open seven days a week for extended hours. He opened browsing shelves to the patrons, and in the first year after he had taken over, circulation of library materials jumped over five hundred percent. Wow. So clearly yeah. doing something right. I mean, at the library nowadays, we get excited if we get like a 0.5% boost in circulation. We're like, holy shit, everyone was taking out books last year. So 500% <laughs> increase. Now they, just had, books, n- now they just had to forget to return them. So you guys roll in the money. Uh, no, most libraries don't do fees anymore. What? Well, how, do, how do you manage to keep the books then? If you, if you don't return the book ever... Then you just can't ever take a book out again. Okay. But if you return it late, if you still bring it back, your fine just gets waived. Then there is no fine. No, there's no fine. Dude, <sighs> how are you going to be Not every library. I don't want to give out bad advice to somewhere out in the Midwest where they're still, you know, hunting you down. <laughs> what people in the Midwest don't go, go to libraries? libraries? What is sorry, that? sorry. What do you know that was... joke is that? <laughs> that they was actually... fun of women. It's a joke. They get it. <laughs> Not that the was actually the that was actually the first job that Dog the Bounty Hunter took on. He was tracking down library fees. <laughs> it was a li- <laughs> he saw the library cop episode of Seinfeld. It was like, I want to yeah. be like that guy, but with wicked hair. <laughs> I don't know if he sounds like that. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever heard Dog Dog talk. Ki- kind of well, not as New York, not yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But most of our impressions right? here, well, they all just turn into. He's New York got Italian. this thing going on mm. a bit. It's not Alex Jonesy. It's more like I'm gonna be your friend, brah. He says mm. bro a lot. Yeah, anyway. brada. Uh, so despite all these successes and the fact that um, Dewey is like 
doing great things in the library. Columbia shuts down the program and fires him because he ins- kept ins- training women. He kept bringing women into the school, and they're like, we can't have this. What a bunch of prudes. Yeah. So they fire him. They're like, get out of here. They're shutting down the library school. But the model of library school that he had set up at Columbia is already spreading by this point. Other schools are opening up. Um, they don't require uh, bus size or photos on their applications. That's a problem. Um, and Did they? they? More of them are more open to hiring, allowing women. So now this kind of becomes the basis for how library schools operate. Hmm. Dewey is not uh, down on his luck really at all because he almost immediately becomes the director of the New York State Library. He establishes a new library school in Albany. And basically overnight, the New York State Library system becomes one of the most efficient in the entire country. He would remain in this position for nearly two decades, and he is continuing to like pioneer and shape new avenues of what librarianship means. During this time, he opens the first library for the blind. Don't really know what they're getting except for Braille, because there's you know no audio at this point. It's just like a room. <laughs> <laughs> it's a circle-shaped room, and they say all the books are in the corner, and go find that's, it. That's it. I, just go find your shelf. <laughs> I'm assuming they just wrangle up all the old men of their village, and then, yeah, in this giant auditorium, there's just a whole bunch of old men telling stories, but they all kind of just overlap, you know? Bunch of deaf old guys who forgot what their voice sounds like. How are you talking about the mine? (laughs) All day. Yeah. I want to learn learn how to construct an automobile. Let me tell you about the mine. <laughs> the mine All right, was son, deep listen. and dark, and my dad threw me in it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have a lot of prospector in me right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, he would open up the first traveling library to serve underserved communities and rural communities. He created the first interlibrary loan program. Which, if you think about libraries today, that's like the number one thing they do is interlibrary stuff. So, like, if one library has it and the other library doesn't, they can just work together to get it to the patron. He's the first that came up with an idea of doing this and a system of how to make it work. Hmm. And he also opens the first children's library. Dude, so, kids don't know. Kids don't know how to read. They shouldn't even read at all. Kids are just yeah. stupid. Just give them, give them fucking raid shadow legends. Get a, let them farm <laughs> Chinese coins. So now. <laughs> We've been praising Dewey. He's got a lot of great ideas. He's got some not so great ideas. And re- he's got some odd ideas. No, he so. turned around on me. I actually really like I give this guy a nine out of ten for he likes that it was out of ten. Good I, scale. Right. I'm using his system. I'm showing him uh Roast Mortem, one third of us really approves highly. See, I'm gonna use a different ranking system. I'm gonna give him G's. Big G's. Big G's? Great. Big G's. Good job. For, yeah, I don't know how many inches in diameter that is, but he's got G's, dog. Big G's. Nice. <laughs> um, however, it is in this position as the director of the New York State Library that some of his private life starts to come out. And what one favorable biography written shortly after his death would simply write off as womanizing behavior. Let's talk about one specific situation. Uh, the head of the public documents division was one Adelaide Hess, and she was a colleague of Dewey while uh, he was in Albany and she was working in New York City. She had come up with a bibliography that would help with the organization of government documents. So government documents, um, they usually don't have an author. They're usually like 
they're just kind of harder to fit into the Dewey system. So this would be like a system of organizing these. Um, she's trying to work on finding a publisher for it. Dewey writes her and is like, hey, I think you have a great idea. Why don't you come up to Albany this weekend and we can go over and try and figure out how to like get this published. Right. But it was a 10 page letter. Probably, yeah. Right. <laughs> or t- maybe maybe if it's a really short one, he just does 10 lines, you know? Right. And he's like, I can't stretch this to 10 pages. I'll just do 10 lines. He writes haikus now. <laughs> and after after he after he did that, he set up like uh, the American Ninja Warrior of ladders in his library <laughs> that you have to climb. Prove you're worthy. <laughs> yeah. And you are, not, you, are wearing, silk. <laughs> you are not wearing any stout corduroy. <laughs> Get past my two... A sunbathed men with giant Q-tips. <laughs> so here's what we know about this weekend that Adelaide spends in Albany. Uh, she arrives, and Dewey picks her up from the train station. And after a single car ride, Haas gets out of the car and flees and runs back, basically runs back to New York after one car ride. Oh! Um, Dewey, oblivious to what had just happened, would write to her often and once asked, quote, why she ran away so suddenly. And then in that same letter continued to fawn over her writing, but I am very glad that I know you better. Sometimes I think of you as Cordelia for your voice is hers. Sometimes as Brunhild, fair, blue eyed Saxon. Mm. Yeah, so not only is this like the worst attempted at spitting game of all time, um, even back then, they were like, what the fuck are you writing about, you weirdo? Like, who writes like this? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you get, uh, what, we're in the 1890s now? 18... We're in the 1890s, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, it's a little dated even then. Yeah. It's yeah. like you're writing, like, love sonnets to a colleague after you probably just sexually assaulted her. Let's not, let's not go with probably. Let's, let's go, go with, with had a great time <laughs> that she wasn't into. Ophelia, madame, would you like to see my decimal? The decimal, the singular decimal. It's point one. I had one of my balls removed so I could make my cock and ball into a ten. The doctor said adding nine was too much. Uh, yeah, so this is weird. Dewey continues to pester her about coming back to Albany. In one letter, he wrote, quote, The snow may prevent having as long as an auto trip as we did before, but I have a nice pair of horses, and we will give you a little fresh air that will do your Manhattan brain good. <laughs> I like Manhattan I brain. I like, that is good. That is a very good <laughs> choice of words. You got well, Queen's so, brain, it, dog. Yeah. <laughs> Let me ask, is she, you, you say he's writing her, is she replying to any of these? I think like the first one or two, she just replied very like quickly, like nope, like yeah, let's keep this. Pro- if you want to help with my publication, fine, that's it, and then we'll send them off. And then after this one, she's like, does not speak to him again. Mm. Um, right, that's like just getting the text back, like lol. Yeah, <laughs> or just like you see the three dots and then they go away, and that's it. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Um, now Haas, to her credit, resolute and like not letting the incident get to her. Um, at one point, it kind of be- comes out that he had definitely done something and. The board of the the board of regents, which he sits on, like goes to her and is like, "Hey, what happened?" She was like, "I don't want to make it public. It was a private matter. I'm dealing with it. It's my. I don't want to like make a big stick of it." So you just part of the time also. You just also mentioned the board of regents. Does this guy write the regents? Well, he's the reason the board of regents is so powerful. I didn't really go into that because it's kind of eh, whatever. But I know yeah, that's he, local, but, but New Yorkers have to take yeah. take the regents, which are the dumbest yes. tests. Yeah, he was. He school. probably didn't come up with the actual regents, but he's the reason that the board of regents controls education in New York. Man, I would love to hang that guy personally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
See, now you don't really like him that much. Well, I like <laughs> now you re- found out about this. Well, I if found we, out the Regents fella. Yeah. Well, we know. almost we almost lost Mike at a young age. I remember he told the story of getting hit by a car because he had to go take the Regents. Oh, right. yeah. Murderers. <laughs> Attempted yeah, murders. Murder. Unbelievable. Uh, it was also widely reported that uh, Dewey was routinely harassing his two female live-in assistants. I think having female live-in assistants at this time is, you know, harassment enough. Um, ah, it's and fun. he would fre- apparently frequently assault and harass them. He, they, and- he, he, had a, he had a term for them. He just called them harem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Dewey's behavior with this was so bad that, like, even his friends... Hate kind of started to like be like, dude, come what the fuck on? Like, what are you doing? Mm. Uh, one other biographer who's writing the 40s when it's still very like positive and glowing biographies of him went so far as to say, quote, although he did not lack friends, they were becoming a little weary of coming to his defense. So endless a process had it become. <laughs> <laughs> Look, he's raping a lot of people out there. Okay. Uh, we're sick Someone's got to do something do, about this. Do one rape a month. All right. We can't defend seven. <laughs> He's you, like Jeffrey Epstein of books. Yeah, I was gonna say I feel like that happened. No, he's more Weinstein. He's okay. like he—that's his behavior. You're right. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was gonna go with uh, what's his name? Jello pudding. Oh, Bill Cosby. Oh, Cosby. Yeah, no, Cosby. Of the three, Weinstein, Weinstein. is like he because it's the same thing where it's like young up and comers in the profession who think that like can he can get them ahead. He'll invite them to the house in Albany and then uh, sexually assault them. Huh? Right. So. Look, you know what you're in for. <laughs> careful. <laughs> careful, it. ladies. You know what you're in for. Yeah. Listen, I, I always protect yourself, ladies. Don't don't go trusting men all the time. Yeah. They're not always good guys, especially ones who are professional. Professional pigs. Quote unquote professional. But there gets to a point where it's like, eh, what are you doing? Yeah, so you know. I'm I'm glad uh, what was her name again? Adelaide Haas. Adelaide Haas. Good lady. Stood she up al- for herself, ran. Stood up she- for herself and was like, fuck that. Booked it. Never yeah. dealing with this guy again. She also invented avocados. The Haas avocado. Exceptional. Oh, nice. yeah. Check out the Haas on her. That's the joke he said. And, uh, <laughs> and she, she had to run away. It was so bad. Yeah, yeah she's like, uh, yeah. yeah, so by 1900, it's obvious that Dewey um, is a serial sexual harasser. It is well known, basically, among its community. Uh, it's not a secret at all. Like, uh, we're saying it's kind of like the Weinstein thing where other female librarians would warn other female librarians about him because his behavior was that predatory. As they should. Yeah. yeah. And you'd think that a guy like this would be somewhat careful, somewhat try to hide his proclivities. Yeah, no. he, he's good at organizing. You can organize your lies. No, this uh, does is not the case. In 19... Of, oh, before we get started. There are going to be two major scandals that consume Dewey's life in 1905 and 1906 that occur basically at the same time. We're going to tackle them one at a time. So when we're up to the second one, just remember that all we're going to go over now is happening at the exact same time as the second scandal. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Really just getting a nice two for one. It'd be like if OJ did the murder and then also was burning Didn't pay his taxes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. (laughs) These are so bad, these two things. (laughs) But just different bad things. Um, All right. So in 1905... The ALA has a big, uh, that's the American Library Association, has a big conference, and they celebrate afterwards with a 10-day Alaskan cruise. So, this cruise is off the Alaskan coastline. It is all 
of like the big wigs in the American library profession. They all know each other. They're on a boat for 10 days. There's nowhere to go. What does Melville Dewey do? He sexually assaults four different women over the 10 day trip. (laughs) All of them speak up about it. Um, Not all of them are assaults. Some of them are just sexual harassment. One of them, or maybe two of them are definitely assaults. And it's so beyond the pale that the board of directors finally is like, we got to do something. This has been building for years. And this is probably the first case of ever someone being canceled for a Me Too movement where they're like, Dewey, you're out. You're kicked out of the group that you founded. Right. We don't want to deal with your shit. Uh, let me ask, too. This is at a time period where they're saying they're getting sexually harassed. Women today, they believe they're being sexually harassed when you say something like toots or sugar tits. Like, this is, he's almost raping them. He's, yeah, he's to two be, fingers right. in. Two because fingers in. Back then, back then, they would say all those kind of mean things. Yeah, and, and it was just like, nope. Just, this is like, it's beyond the pale. Some people have been like, well, you're just like applying 21st century morality to these people. It's like, no, no, no. At the time, they're like, you're a monster and you need to be dealt with. All right. Throw <laughs> right. him in the ocean. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't like he was at the cruise buffet and then he was like, uh, lady, could you pass me those melons? Yeah. Or, wink, wink. And then winked. And, yeah. then, <laughs> and then grabbed their tit. Like, hey, yeah. Clara. <laughs> Looks like you're stacking on a few pounds. Don't uh, don't rub that booty out. You know what I mean? We like them high and tight around here in the library. Why do you talk like that? <laughs> hey, meet me. What what is the sexual uh, sexuality decimal? Uh, it's I think it's in the three hundreds for sociology. Oh, meet me, me at three twenty, lady. <laughs> three twenty at ten past ten. <laughs> right next to A for anal sex. <laughs> Yeah, so again, don't think that this is us being like, oh, like we got to tear down old historical characters, did bad things. No, no, no. At the time, they're like, he needs to be rid of. Connor. Right. Roast Mortem doesn't do that. No, I know. We, we do don't not do project. That. I meant that. society writ large. Right. Um, so Yeah, but you know, that doesn't stop these like clickbaity things from like, did you know Dewey Decimal is rape? Yeah. Did you know when you read from library, you're a patriarchy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, BuzzFeed. Yep. Yeah, great. Let's good job, send that Buzz. to the presses. Let's make sure you are uh, out of business sooner than later. Yeah. They already ripped us off with roast mortem once. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we didn't remember that. Dude, yeah, BuzzFeed had some two fucking dinguses. They had some show called Roast Mortem. Uh, what? Yeah, it came out after our show too. Oh my god. Yeah, and, and they were selling shirts at Hot Topic. For you can roast actually mortem. still buy those shirts. It just says <laughs> roast mortem, but the money goes to them. Mm. And uh, if you're going to send anything to them, it shouldn't be money. It should yeah. be bombs. So if you guys are in a Hot Topic and you see whatever. that shirt, just steal it. Yeah, yeah. steal it and buy the Rick and Morty shirt. Yeah. yeah. Because we support you, uh, Rick's Throw gasoline in the face of the uh, the, the, the lip-pierced cashier. <laughs> um, yeah. So like bites. we said, <laughs> everyone in at the time knew a Dewey was a predator. Um, Tessa Kelso, uh, one of his contemporaries that even before meeting him, had refused to ever meet with him because of this reputation. Smart. Uh, she was the head of the Los Angeles Public Library. In one address that she gave later, she said, quote, for many years, women librarians have been the special prey of Mr. Dewey in a series of outrages upon decency. So again, it was well known at the time that this guy is a monster. So much to the point that like people would refuse to meet with him ahead of time, knowing that he's a monster. And all of his abuse was directly reflective of his own worldview 
that we talked about when he was a child. Everything is hierarchical. Everything is in their place. He would only direct his abuse downwards. So it was always assistants, students, low-level employees. If it was a colleague that he viewed as like somewhat equal, he would never do this behavior to them. It was all just like social casts hmm. that he mm. viewed it as. Like there was one story I couldn't find like the details on it that I heard, but he was sexually harassing a woman, not knowing who she was, and then found out she was like the head of a library somewhere of like a, a similar rank to him. So then he immediately like overnight just stopped harassing her. You know, for a guy who hates Indian religion so much, he sure acts exactly like every Indian man. He probably would have enjoyed being born into a high caste in India. He probably yeah. would have thrived there. Yeah, the yeah. caste system actually has a whole hundred sections uh, <laughs> that you, know, you can get into. Just the caste well, system. Well, yeah, wait, is it, are there ten castes or maybe a hundred? He could do a hundred, but yeah, if there's yeah. anything other than ten or a hundred, he couldn't do it. Yeah, do you too, think that he reincarnated into a booby? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he reincarnated into an elephant tit. Yeah. Um, his behavior was so aggressive in this to these types of people and to people he viewed as lesser than him that his son and daughter-in-law moved out of the estate that the family shared because of how much he was assaulting his son's wife. <laughs> oh. Uh, Dad, please stop raping please my wife. stop groping my wife <laughs> at the dinner unreal. table. It sounds unreal. It sounds quit, insane. Quit, that's she, Melville Dewey. Quit I was grabbing on the, her tits. Yeah. yeah. I was out on the library computer and I was on this interesting website called Pornhub and it showed all these scenarios that I, I aligned with. Could you imagine that first time they sat down? Okay, a uh, married couple, we're sitting at the estate, first dinner down. Uh, Can I get a feel? Son's wife. <laughs> Can you uh, get me some Kool-Aid, please? Closer. More Kool-Aid. Come closer. Oh, that's Dad. a nice feel. They're nice and warm in there. And his son's like, Dad's doing it again. This is this is my Ooh, wife. Seems Dad. to have spilled some hamburger helper on my crotch. Can you clean it off? <laughs> Just like my first Standing girlfriend on the table. It's <laughs> <laughs> like lick it off, <laughs> clean it off, baby. <laughs> that's uh, uh, that's horrifying for yeah. that woman. Yeah. So yeah. that's the first scandal. Is the the, the cruise scandal? But that's kind of like when it all comes to a tipping point. That's 1905. He's removed from the organization in 1906. But like I said. There's another scandal that is unfolding simultaneously to all of this. Okay. But for that, we're going to have to back up and give a little information on one of Dewey's side projects that he was very passionate about. He always believed in outdoor recreation, um, you know, good health. This guy didn't like tobacco, didn't like drinking. He athletics department, like athletics school. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Harder to hear the screams and no. Yeah, down <laughs> the woods. exactly. Yeah. And it's like a good reason to go out with a woman. It's like, oh, we're yeah. all jogging. <laughs> This that's, is why she, that's why I'm so sweaty. I mean, his one of the things he wrote was, if a woman's raped in the woods, is she really raped? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> that's not me. That's him. Yeah, that, that was a weird paper he wrote. Yeah. In yeah. Shorthand. <laughs> uh, Dr. Seuss actually illustrated it. He probably would have spelled, based off the other books or other writings he's done, he probably would have spelled raped, R-A-P-T. <laughs> So yeah. maybe they're like, oh, he's, he's wrapped with attention with the women. No, 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 no. He's writing raped. Well, now we know what new metal band he was in. <laughs> yeah. Trapped, for those Trapped. of you at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so this, proj- this uh, like passion for his culminates in developing Lake Placid, New York, into a large vacation resort that would operate as a private club. 
And his idea was he wanted to turn Lake Placid basically into um, like the famous alpine retreats that the Europeans would go to in the winter. So like St. Moritz or Chamonix, these like ski lodges that like did year round stuff, but were mostly like where the elite would go in the winter to hang out. Right. Little little would you know, there would be a giant alligator in the lake, and yeah. that would be the end of that. That's a hell of a scandal on his hands. <laughs> yeah. So he had begun this project 10 years earlier. He and his wife had bought up property in 1895, um, and he is personally credited with introducing many European winter sports to Americans. Um, this includes bobsledding and speed skating, among other things. Um, he also uh, forced water sports on a lot of women that vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Summertime water sports. Going to the stinky cabin. Wintertime water sports. Wintertime. Just before it freezes. Mm. Time to warm up. Um, He developed all sorts of programs. He built up the area, building lodges and all this. Um, And he, along with his son Godfrey, uh, are the reason that Lake Placid, tiny little Lake Placid, New York, has hosted two Winter Olympics. Um, They host, obviously, the 1980 Miracle on Ice Lake Placid. But the 1932 Winter Olympics, um, that was, Godfrey was like the guy campaigning for that, his son. Hmm. So that's the reason that Lake Placid, we all know what that place is. Even do you think the town Japanese, of like a thousand people. Do you think the Japanese have an equivalent to Dewey that's from Nagano? Because I remember the- <laughs> I think they have half of a population that's similar to Dewey. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Um, more, more into tentacles, though. Right. Now, the club um, had all of Dewey, because it's Dewey's club, it has all of his weird little proclivities and oddities. The main clubhouse is the Adirondack Lodge. Lodge is spelled L O J. Great. Lodge. Lodge. Um, <laughs> this don't is have a- time for ease. I don't have time for ease. Fuck what? that shit. <laughs> I, I, I'm really upset by that concept, by the way. What, L-O-J being Lodge? <laughs> yeah, that, it's like, I gotta save all this time. Like, how much time Well, here, are you losing here's, to this? Let's see how much time. Here's a dinner menu from one, like, from one night. I'm just gonna read it, and then I'm gonna ask Tom to look at it. <laughs> okay. Haddock, potted beef with noodles, parsley or mashed potato, steamed rice, butter, and lettuce. Sounds like a pretty good menu, right? Tom, why don't you read what's in bold? All right. Or just try and spell it out. <laughs> Beef with noodles, N-O-O-D-L-S. <laughs> Parsley, P-R-P-A-R-S-L-I. Or mashed potatoes, M-A-S-H-T, potato. Steamed rice, R-Y-S. R-Y-S for rice. R-Y-S. This butter lettuce. B U T R and L E T I S. Were you just reading a lines from the room? <laughs> like I always expect that to be handwritten in one of the letters backwards. I love that potted beef is P O T E D. Yeah. <laughs> potted beef. Potted beef. Yeah. And Haddock, he just drops the C, he drops one of the D's and the C, so it's Hadok, H A D O. Hadok. Could you imagine that rich couple that goes there and they're like well, I heard they had the first Special Olympics. Here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm thinking. I'm thinking like, oh, honey, wow, this is real fancy. We're in like a like a French restaurant. Here. How do you pronounce this? Haddock. <laughs> <laughs> what is what is rice? Oh no no rice. <laughs> That's rice. 
Mr. Dewey <laughs> likes it that way. Yeah. And I like it. It also doesn't even work. Like mashed and steamed are both E-D. Mashed is M-A-S-H-T and steamed just drops the E but has the D at the end <laughs> instead of steamed. 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 I like steamed. <laughs> That's going to be our new new metal band. Steamed. Steamed. Retarded. Yeah. Really, really doesn't help when people are like, well, wait, what does this word mean? No, wait, what's that word mean? Yeah, we're saving a lot of time here. Don't you understand? We're refactoring. What's the word he used? Re- re- reforming. Reforming. Reforming, reforming the world. Reforming. Yeah. We're re- reforming the world. Okay. We're R R F R. It would be like R E F L R M T. Reformed. We're reforming the world. Consider yourself reformed. Uh, so Dewey loved this club. This is really what his passion project became. Um, he's still working in all the library stuff and he's holding the library conventions at the club. So whenever there's like a big library meeting needs to happen, he's like, Hey, I got a place. We're going to go to the Adirondack lodge. You're going to eat haddock and boated (laughs) beef. Oh, yo, you got to try the special. Yeah. You have to try the steamed clams. (laughs) Yeah. He's a librarian and like, they're definitely, there were other people that liked the cause of the spelling that he was championing there are other people that are probably like we're fucking librarians and you're spelling everything wrong (laughs) (laughs) and he knew it because the like dewey publications that he would send out were written in normal english because he knew that no one liked his writings but he's trying to make these people the inner circle yeah so he's like look when you're here, you're retarded family (laughs) now whenever i love to guard didn't Unlimited breadsticks. British. <laughs> Unlimited. <laughs> UNLMTD. <laughs> Spaghetti carbonara night. Dude, he'd have a field day with like Italian foods. Like what you just went on. Fettuccine. How you. Well, chef, yeah. fettuccine. So many teas in this. Yeah. <laughs> he would hate Italy because Italy loves doubling up their consonants. Oh, yeah. yeah. Big fans of that. Yeah. Um, now, when he held these library conventions at the club, he would always hide all of the club rule books that were in the club's houses. He'd hid all of the rule books about like what there are required of members from his guests at the library convention. Okay. Why would he do this? Well, in 1903, at one such convention, somebody forgot to hide all of the club's rule books because one librarian sees a book on an end table and goes, well, I'm a librarian. I have to physically pick up every book I see. That's I part of the this. code. Yeah. I have to follow that too. It makes it very slow to do anything. And he flips through it and he's like, let's find out what Mr. You know, Melville's doing. He's a fucking weirdo. He's probably got a weird club. What he finds kind of shocks him. In the rules, it is stated, quote, no one will be received as a member or guest against whom there is a physical, moral, social, or race objection. It is found impractical to make exceptions to Jews or others excluded, even when of unusual personal qualifications. Mm. Sorry, Woody Allen. <laughs> you gotta stay at home. Yeah. Not allowed to hang out with your nerds. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Tom doesn't want to have a beer with you. He... He won't know. I denounced my Judaism a long time. That's why I don't make Jew jokes anymore. Oh, yeah, and Tom's also enough, Tom's also in the uh, hit band Steamed, so he's definitely <laughs> going to want to meet him. He'll be like, uh, he'll say, "Look, you're a really nice Jew fella, but I don't know if I can let you in the club." And I'll go. Before we leave, did you hear my new band Steamed? <laughs> and he'll go, 
steamed. What, what kind of word is that? And I'll show him. And then I'll be like, oh, that's fucking show. sick. Yeah! <laughs> Metal horns! Yeah. Pull your two fingers up in the sky. Show off one, two, baby. Let's go with, I don't know, K-Rock. Remember K-Rock? He, well, he would love that because they didn't have an extra K. At the end, it was K. Oh, it was just K-R-O-C? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah, he'd be like, fuck yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. Dewey, this is my channel You dudes rock. Hi, this is Dewey. I just want to call in to recommend uh, System of a Down's uh, Spiders. The song's really important to me. <laughs> it could have spelled it a little shorter, but I really <laughs> yeah, like it. It could have saved really me a like lot it. of time if they got rid of the vowels. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, the man who finds the rule book quickly brings it over to one of his friends, um, a Jewish librarian by the name of Henry Leipziger. Now, Leipziger, up until this point, had had a really good working relationship with Dewey. Again, Dewey hid all of these, like, proclivities, like, and then his, like, racial discrimination from his colleagues. Um, And Leipziger had previously asked Dewey, hey, I want to join your Lake Placid Club. And Dewey always like, ooh, ah, we're full membership. Sorry, can't, Mm. you can't join this year. Maybe next year, maybe next year. The next year come around and be like, hey, I want to join. Oh, you know, I, you can't, I shouldn't really do this because I don't like to mix my personal and private lives. So like, you got to talk to other members. And they'd be like, well, they told me to talk to you. "Ah, Sorry. And just always is giving him vague answers to why he can't join. All right. Oof. So Leipziger reads through the rule book, sees what's going on. Um, he waits until there's like a quiet moment during the convention and then immediately like stands up, holds up the rule book and announces to the group why he's leaving after what he's found and storms out of the convention along with a few other friends. Let's not get carried away. Nobody gave a shit that it forbade black people from entering the property. Yeah. The real problem <laughs> is the anti-Semitism. <laughs> well, was- and only because he's in New York. Right, let's, be, let's right. be really honest. It's a heavy percent of the population. Also, there was a huge rise in anti-Semitism in this time period globally. Yeah. So, like this, yeah, we're in nineteen. Could have been welcome, you know, in Jersey, probably. It could have been welcome like twenty years later, or yeah, twenty years later, everyone really ramped up. Fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it becomes a big scandal. Um, People are, and because again, Dewey is like a the head of the border regions. He's the head librarian for the whole New York State system. Um, so once once this comes public knowledge in 1905, right as the cruise scandal is hitting the papers, it's all kind of coming to a head. And in 1906, Dewey is pressured into resigning his post as the New York State Library Director. So now he is out of the ALA. He is no longer running the Library Journal, and he is no longer the New York State Library Director. And it's at this point that his impact on libraries kind of ends, his active impact. Obviously, the role he played leading up to this, that impact is still with us today. But in 1906, he's no longer doing like an active role. I got, I got to ask a question. Did his Dewey Decimal System go outside of the U.S.? Do other... Oh, um... yes. I forgot to mention that. That was one of the first things he did after it initially took off is the f- before they even made a second edition, they made an international edition. Um, I think nowadays most international libraries don't use the Dewey system. Um, a lot of lib, and also I should mention most academic libraries, even in America, don't use the Dewey system. They use the pile of books system, right? <laughs> no, they use uh, what's called the Library of Congress classification system, which is better for academic books. Um, whereas Dewey is better for more like casual um, public library type browsing. I use lynda.com for all my books. <laughs> all my book needs. I look on the books. I, I go say, to Linda. Yeah, Linda, how do I get smart at this? She tells me. She's nice. So now Louie, uh, Dewey, <laughs> now Dewey 
his professional career in libraries is basically over. Um, he's in his mid fifties. So really he just continues to run the club. That's going to be his project for the rest of his life. He Come did- on down. Some of you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. He runs it the exact same way. He never changes the rules about Jews or anybody else. Um, and it would go even further because anytime property remotely in the Lake Placid area came up for sale, he would buy it. Even if it wasn't part of, like or ever gonna be part of the resort and the reason he did this was because he didn't want jewish people buying it Ooh, that was his wow. only motivation was don't let the jews buy up I mean, the property yeah me. i mean he didn't have to worry about black people buying it yeah probably i mean it's 1906 yeah they're not <laughs> yeah it's different different time know? yeah another weird thing is like it was very it was jewish people and it was also really like um aggressive towards anyone who had tuberculosis or anyone who's like recovering from physical afflictions were like you're not allowed you're not allowed here you're sick uh, get the fuck away from me you gross oh. tb uh, you know yeah. what's interesting is you when you drive around upstate i mean especially you know, like in the hudson valley and stuff like that you see these like retreats where they would just like send or like if you do the research or whatever there's like these retreats for like tb and like so yeah, he's probably a, like keep get them away from lake Pass. we huge... don't want them spoiling the water <laughs> yeah there's a huge sanitarium like right next door to lake placid and they were like hey it would actually be really good for these patients if they could like go exercise in the cool climate and he's like no 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 i don't think so (laughs) yeah i don't think they're all sick also upstate has a lot of jewish summer camps yeah there's like loads of them up there we did that with uh when we talked about bernie madoff they called it the uh what the cat skills were the jewish alps (laughs) hmm that's fun. That's, that's, that's a great That's fun. Do, yeah. Jews don't ski, though. No. But they snowboard. Yeah. They all snowboard. All snowboard. All yeah. Sean White's. Yeah. Extreme pass. Yeah. So we're not going to go much into his later life. Um, at this point, he's as he's getting older, he's splitting his time between Lake Placid and Lake Stearns, Florida, which... When he gets there, he immediately is petitioning the town board to rename Lake Placid, which they do. So he's splitting his time between the two Lake Placids, New York and Florida. My God. <laughs> um, it's at this point that Godfrey has kind of like taken over the active role of leading the club. And he is the one that is, you know, when you think about Olympic uh, committees nowadays, for when the city wants it, they put together like these huge, massive teams, like hundreds of people. To be they like, get every, is- every idiot they yeah. can find to put time into this uh the reason that the olympics were sent to lake Placid in 1932 is purely because of one man godford dewey he it's he's by himself and he just goes to like the Par- I think he was in paris and he's like you should be choosing lake Placid." and i'm like what the fuck is that and he puts on a great presentation he learned french 1932 olympics are on their way to lake Placid. so so godfrey didn't follow in his father's footsteps he just became like a rich kid that fucking yeah hung he did the right thing he just became a rich kid that yeah. fucked around on ski slopes that's awesome yeah what a rich kid should do don't yeah you should never become a known when you're a rich kid just yeah. stay a child forever and hang out and do cool shit yeah, yeah. you hear, you hear I, that please, george george please don't Bo- rent anywhere in huntington work i'm tired of it yeah <laughs> Yeah, I was like, George Bush, it would have been so much better if you just flew jets and did coke. Come on. You could have just stayed the owner of the Texas Rangers and just yeah. fucking loved baseball. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. Instead of doing 9-11. Look, I could do a whole 10-part <laughs> series on rich kids, but yeah. Yeah, dead so God- ones. Godfrey, Godfrey, uh, Godfrey had the right idea. So, um, however, it's, we're not done with the story of Dewey because the sexual harassment does not go away with age, as we well know. Of course. Uh, in 1927, at the age of 76, he hires a new stenographer. 
and in a letter to a friend after hiring her, described her as, quote, a dainty little flapper and better looking than I expected. Mm. Little spelt L-I-T-L, better B-E-T-R. <laughs> yeah. Great. And when they're in public at one point, he gropes her and starts kissing her, and she turns around and sues him and is prepared to bring charges of sexual impropriety uh, when they finally settle for a neat and tidy sum of $2,147.66. That would be nowadays about thirty five grand. Do you think that she sued for that much because it wasn't like an even 10? She's like, just the fucking pitch you off. I'm going to make it 66 I'm suing cents. for $9,999.99. Yeah. No! Yeah. <laughs> I'll give you one more dollar, please. What's even worse, you'll be hearing from my lawyer. Let me All give right. you a pat He's on the ass. Jewish. We'll throw an extra dollar. Oh! Not a Jewish lawyer. No! And he uses base 12. <laughs> now Dewey was unrepentant about this whole affair uh, did not give a shit the main thing he was worried about that he would constantly badger his friends about he was he was worried that it would get out that a woman got $2,000 for no work yeah well that does that was hurt. his primary concern you know if, if if there was no sexual assault in that and a woman did get paid for doing nothing that hurts sure that, that does hurt that hurts a man's yeah. ego. But, you know, he did get a touch out of it. Yeah. <laughs> so that all goes away. Yeah. 35 grand for a little kiss. Yeah, a little snog. <laughs> yeah. Um, but on December 26th, 1931, just after his 80th birthday and just a few weeks before the crowning, you know, opening of the games at Lake Placid, Melville suffers a stroke in his Lake Placid, Florida home and passes away, like I said, at the age of 80. Ooh. And that's his death. However, uh, immediately afterwards, his death, after his death, uh, all the biographies start to get published, but all the biographies are with approval from his family. So they conveniently gloss over all the sexual assault and anti-Semitism, even though, again, the sexual assault was very well known at the time and constantly talked about the reason that he's no longer working in libraries is because of it. Wait. Right. Why? <sighs> You don't need, you can publish anything on anyone you want, as long as it's not defamation. It was well, the 1930s, I don't know. So, like, that, like the fact that the family gets involved like that, that's, yeah, that's it's, illegal. It's not like film rights. Uh, well, that's kind of what happened. The, film, the family kind of had, like, a role in it, and most of the biographies are written by men, so they're not going to talk about it. And it's not until 1996 um, that an author, I think his name is Garrett Wagland, writes a book called Irrepressible Reformer. Um, this came out, like I said, in 96. And it kind of just opens everyone's eyes to what people who knew Dewey knew about him. And everyone's like, oh, he is a monster. He was a sexual predator. It's we a, it, sh maybe shouldn't have all of the top awards in the ALA and the library world named after Melville Dewey. Yeah. And so that all got stripped mostly in like the last 10 years. You won't find his name really anywhere in libraries it, aside from the name of his decimal system. It's really interesting right. because a year before that bio came out, Jimmy Kimmel was writing a bio while he was shopping around the man show. Um, and he's like, this guy is my fucking hero, bro. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Well, so that's once, Dewey. Yeah, so he, we're stuck with this system because, again, it works really well, but not super well. Look, if there's something good in your life, 
someone who brought it to you may have raped. Usually, I mean, we're talking to microphones right now. Who knows what the guy who made the first microphone did? Steven Microphone? Steven Microphone. Steven he Microphone. Was a massive rapist. Yeah. Yeah. And fuck tell- him. He was very well, big into uh, forcefully sounding people because he was out of microphone, you know? That's horrible. Yeah. That's a horrible thing yeah. for anyone to experience, yep. any man or woman with a penis to experience. They got a urethra. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> Oof. He's got a uh, mic. I want to use this advantage because you are a librarian. What is like, uh, is there any moment in your career where you had to like put away a book or organize something and you were just like, why is this here? Like, because you mentioned the thing with homosexuality being in, like, mental disorders. Obviously, that was before your time. But is there something where you're like, why is this in this area? No, nothing that I, nothing that sticks out. Because mm. also, one, for the most part, the books in the public library are, like, really inoffensive for the most part. And it's usually pretty obvious, like, oh, this is a book about World War II. But in World War II. Where's yeah, Mein Kampf so- go? <laughs> Mein Kampf would probably either go under the 900s for history or maybe under biography Hitler. Probably is um, it is under biography Hitler. Yeah, biography. I saw it there <laughs> when I was at the library looking for biographies yeah. for this show. There you go. <laughs> so um, there's that. Yeah. How about, how about the Anarchist Cookbook? I just want to do all the... the, the... Anarchist Cookbook. Let's try and figure that out. That this, is be, where you, this is where you, you probably... shouldn't be in the library. Would be that be either sociology or technology, also known as the useful arts? Useful arts. That's <laughs> useful what I was going to yeah. say. I think useful arts. Or it could be under uh, in the zeros under general works. That's also funny. So the zeros is kind of just the leftovers. So like you, everything that um, like academics don't want to admit is like real. So like all like UFO stuff, all conspiracy stuff, all like the fun, stuff. all the fun stuff isn't like the zero like zero zero four stuff like that. It's all right in the beginning. <laughs> I love I I love reading that kind of shit. Yeah. And uh fucking Stanton Friedman stuff. Yeah, so like all theirs shit. will go in like the general works. That's great. <laughs> Wait, hold Bigfoot on. Shit. I just got this book. And I just mainly right. just to show you guys because it looks so fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I picked this up at an estate sale. The, the 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 path to the immortals. <laughs> oh yeah, like this is like some legit fucking. There's like Bible Israeli UFO experience. Like this was just somebody in somebody's fucking living room. That's awesome. That's gonna be in my living room. One Look, day. it's talking about some fucking ziggurat in all caps. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, that's a that's a zero 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 book. Yeah, there's a, a behold a pale horse. The conspiracy theorists are really into their ca- all caps. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Bill Cooper does a lot of all cap shit. Uh, fun, yeah. Might mind this for a subject. There you go. <laughs> well, speaking of subjects, thank you, Connor, yeah, for bringing this one in, letting us know how libraries were all founded on terrible rapes, right? And um, for and- that, the, I see a little more humor. I see a little more tragedy within the scope of a library now. That's what I'm trying to bring to the world. Well, I'm going to say, now you've got maybe le- if people that listen to our show, have you have less people coming to libraries. It's like, I'm not supporting this shit. Well, no, just browse the fiction section, because he hated that. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah. Take out Lord of the Rings. Lord spelled... Yeah, uh, take Lord- out 11 books. 
<laughs> yeah. Don't return any of them. <laughs> and then bring them back uh, to a different library. Yeah, yeah, well, that's like a that's like they should put those in those BuzzFeed hack videos. Like, guess what, guys? You don't need to return books anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know? That's like no. ordering the secret menu off Starbucks. <laughs> There's a secret menu at Starbucks? No, it just makes baristas hate their life when people say that. Is there a secret menu? Oh. You say yes, and then do the Dewey. Yeah. Um, you grab, say yes, grab, and you spin grab, their coffee. <laughs> grab a part of their body that would make them most uncomfortable. And say, I'll hold on to this for five minutes. Do you think That's the secret menu? Do you think the it wasn't actually sexual assault? It was just creepy. Like he, he's like a foot guy, and he like I guess this would still be no, sexual assault. But he counted their <laughs> ten digits on their toes. One, two. I just want to see three. Do you got ten? Let me count them. Or just like any book he had, he made the V shape with it, and just like ah, stuck his tongue through it. Just across the desk, like that's all. That's him on a boat. Four different ladies. <laughs> what? This is an outrage. <laughs> I think this is assault. Oh man! Imagine no, being trapped was, uh, on a boat. It was definitely sexual assault. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. That would yeah. just be like a weird joke. Yeah. He just did a weird joke at me. I don't I, think he was capable of humor. That's the problem. Yeah. yeah it didn't <laughs> like, seem like not striking me as like a funny guy. Yeah, no. no. I think he's wise cracking. Yeah. He's just out there. Look, has no hands <laughs> on the wheel. <laughs> Can you do the stick shift? Yeah. Oh. oh, I forgot it's an automatic. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. It's my pants. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening to the show, everyone. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you here, Connor. Once again, thank you. Travis, thanks for joining us again from the old West Coast. Yeah. And uh, look, patreon.com slash roastmortemcast, where we'll take your money and file it along with the rest of our money. Yeah. In the most important thing, you gotta just show people the show. Spread the yeah, word. Yeah, show people the show. Spread the word. We need yeah. more people listening. I got a letter from, I think, our one millionth listener the other day, and they yeah. said, God, I wish there were more people out there to talk about your show with. And I said, Me too. Go make it happen. I'm busy researching. Yeah. Yeah. Go right? make the next million. Yeah. So uh, thank you to that person. And uh, thank you, Shane. Thank them, Shane. Wow.